where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. We are concluding our sermon series on words today, and I must say, Amelia and I have had a lot of fun doing this series. Um, And so maybe it will come back sometime. Who knows? But today's word, uh, our last word, seems to be an appropriate one to end on, and it's heaven. And like last week's word, which is apocalypse, the word heaven is one that captures the imagination. Consider the poet Dante, who wrote the Divine Comedy. If you're not familiar with it, it's a 14th century trilogy of poems that charts the poet's journey from hell or inferno through purgatory or purgatorio to heaven, paradiso. It's called by some the fifth gospel, and it's credited for influencing later poets, including T.S. Eliot and Ezra Pound. When you think of heaven, consider also visual artists. Is there a painting or an image that comes to mind for you? If you print it out or looked at today's bulletin, you'll see the image that spoke to Michael this week. There's no one image that can capture it all. And when it comes to scripture, you don't have to look very far for the word heaven, the very first book, the very first chapter, the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And heavens is plural. The ancient understanding of cosmology is connected to seven planets or great lights in the sky. And so there was a belief that there were seven heavens. The heavens refer to all that was above the earth, which includes the firmament, which is part of the seven-day creation story. It includes rain and snow and hail and thunder. All of this came from heaven. It was Wendell Berry who knew this well and said, nature is the great liturgy of the heavens. Heavens are also a place for signs. The rainbow was placed in the heavens, in the sky, as a sign for Noah and future generations of God's covenant. In its most expansive context, heaven describes a physical part of the universe and the dwelling place of God. It's the entire universe, the totality of God's creation. In scripture, it was John the Baptist who's credited with first proclaiming and providing the guiding vision on earth of the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of heaven was the primary vision for the movement that became and is now Christianity. And it was John's cousin Jesus who embodied the kingdom of heaven and invited students to also embody this vision. 
In music that was inspired by the birth narratives of Jesus, we hear the melodies and lyrics of heaven, of heaven and earth intersecting. Remember Silent Night? Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Or verse 2, silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heavens afar. Heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Sometimes I think wherever someone says praise God is a glimpse of heaven. Or love divine, all love excelling. That first verse is love divine, all love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Dallas Willard was a philosopher who wrote about Christian formation. And he said the gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how you live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. This living in the kingdom of heaven is at the heart of the teachings of Jesus, all of them. So call to mind Matthew 25, which gives us a taste of what really matters and how we will be sort of, let's just say, graded on our earthly existence. And say this with me if you know it. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you visited me. These are attributes of heaven. Consider also the teachings about forgiveness. Do it often, more than you think, more than you might even want to. And money. It's not about loving money. It's about using money to pave the way for others and to create access. And material possessions. Share them. Of course, this is just the thumbnail version, but I know you know what I'm talking about. And of course, the teachings about love. Kathleen Norris recounts a conversation about love and heaven between an old woman who is dying and a family member. And the family member says, in heaven, everyone we love is there. And the old woman says, no, in heaven, I will love everyone who is there. How does that match your earthly experience? Living in the kingdom of heaven is also at the heart of the prayer that Jesus taught his students. This version in the sixth chapter of Matthew in sort of a plain-speak translation, says it well. You should pray like this. And let's think about prayer, actually, before I read it, as the intersection of heaven and earth, because it's a conversation 
with God. You should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, help us to honor your name. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you as you are obeyed in heaven. Give us our food for today. Forgive us for doing wrong as we forgive others. Keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. We're going to spend a few moments now exploring heaven as a place or a realm where people and furry friends that our family go and where we will eventually go when our life ends. And images of St. Peter and the pearly gates uh, have inspired many comedians. There's a joke about a doctor, a school teacher, and a head of a large insurance company who all died right around the same time. And they find themselves at the pearly gates. And St. Peter says to the first person, tell me what you did on earth. And the doctor says, well, I healed people. And when they couldn't pay for my services, I just did it for free. St. Peter says, well, please, go right in. And to the second person, God said, tell me what you did on earth. And the teacher said, well, I taught students online during a time of global pandemic. And St. Peter says, oh, please, go right in. We've got a very special place for you and your colleagues. And the last person is looking a little bit sheepish with their head down. And St. Peter says, tell me what you did in your time on earth. And the person says, well, I ran a very large insurance company. And St. Peter says, well, okay, you can go in, but you can only stay for three days. Cue laughter. There's another story about a long line waiting at the pearly gates. I'm sure you've all seen this image, too, of people waiting, and St. Peter there with this big book of names. A cab driver finally gets to the front of the line, and St. Peter looks them up in the book of life and says, oh, yes, come right in. Please help yourself to a silk robe and a golden staff. Next in line is a preacher. St. Peter looks up the preacher's name and furrows his brow a little bit and says, well, you can come in, but take a cloth gown and a wooden staff. Now, the preacher was a little miffed, actually, and, and even said, you know, I can't believe that the cabbie gets silk and gold and I get cotton and wood. And St. Peter says, pretty matter-of-factly, you know, we're all about results up here. When you preached, people slept. When he drove, people prayed. <laughs> if you're also looking for more comedic ways to portray heaven, I would recommend binge-watching the TV series The Good Place. It's not just funny, but it offers some good fodder for thought. And it's good to laugh, and it's important to laugh. And I think that laughter makes room for a moment of confession. I think on a confessional note, it must be said that the idea and promise of a heavenly reward in the afterlife has been misused and abused as a justification 
for suffering and enslavement. It's in the Beatitudes in Matthew's fifth chapter, verses 11 and 12, where it says, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. To be clear, there is no justification for enslavement and oppression and abuse of power in this life. That's not to say that things are not hard. But when systems and leaders use power to essentially create oppression and hardship and dominion, there is no justification for that. And the idea of a heavenly reward to come is a complete misuse of scripture. And that's not to say that heaven isn't wonderful and that the life beyond isn't wonderful. It is to say that we must all take responsibility for those who suffer in this life and make sure that we don't contribute to it. Now, when it comes to heaven and life beyond death, there are things we just don't and can't know right now. And I invite you to lean into this unknowing as a spiritual practice. I mean, just practice, just say, I don't know. Hmm? That was one of my favorite expressions of a 16-year-old who lived with us. He had a great look on his face. I wish I could take off my mask and you could see it. And he just, I don't know. And I think it's worth practicing that. There are times when it is okay to not know. There are situations and circumstances where not knowing is the truest and deepest answer there is. I just don't know. And Carrie Newcomer's song, I'm Learning to Sit with Not Knowing, might be something you want to listen with as you practice this. And let me be clear that not knowing is not an excuse or an alibi. It's rather a limit of our current capacity or our current experiences. There's just some stuff we don't know. And maybe that's part of the list of questions that you want to bring with you to the next life. (laughs) If you still have them when you get there, you might ask. Or by then, you might not. But having said all this about not knowing, there are some things that are revealed and that have been shared from ancestors in faith and from contemporaries. Consider this passage from the end of Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter, starting at the 50th verse. Jesus led his disciples out to Bethany, where he raised his hands and blessed them. As he was doing this, he left and was taken up to heaven. After his disciples had worshipped him, they returned to Jerusalem and were very happy. The disciples spent their time in the temple praising God. 
Now, there's a lot in this passage. This passage is the time after Jesus died and was laid in a tomb and then suddenly was appearing to people and talking and blessing and feeding if you take into account the other Gospels. And it's pointing us towards something else, towards these visions or presences, that, these moments of recognition that I know some of you have had, where your heart is lifted and some people report seeing people who have died at the foot of their bed, perhaps in a dream. I know personally um, I have experienced a presence Uh, that I can only name as independently my mother and my father at different points, one of my brothers, and our favorite cat, Gracie. Honestly, I can tell you that she jumped up, her little paws went across the wood floor, and she jumped up onto the bed, and we felt her weight on the bed. And these moments are a gift. And in those moments, not necessarily with Gracie, but with my parents and with my brother, there were spaces that were opened in me that I didn't even know had been closed. These experiences are healing moments. And I know that God is present in those. And I would love to hear your stories of what you have experienced as presence or as visions of people and furry friends that you have loved who have died. And there's more. And what I wrote down after our time of prayer was, what about the life after death in the land of the living experiences? You know these moments. These moments when an addiction turns to recovery from addiction. These moments where someone's life is so fully transformed that the previous life is barely recognizable. And my very best example of this is connected to the song, I Can Only Imagine. This song was written by Bart Millard who is the lead singer for Mercy Me. And this song, um, you know, his inspiration that led to this song also inspired a movie about the story behind the song. Because as Bart tells it, uh, his life was very difficult and his father was a monster. And over time, and many years, and many miles of estrangement between father and son, there is a moment of reconnection, a moment that lasts for a while. It's not just one. And what Bart says is that he saw his father, who was a monster, transformed into someone who could love and repent and express remorse and try better and live better. And so it led him to 
to write this song that if I can see this in the land of the living, what must it be like when I come face to face with my Lord and Savior in Bart's language? And I love this, and I'm captivated by it too, because I've seen miracles in the land of the living. I've seen people's lives transformed. My life has been transformed in ways that are barely recognizable. I've had memories fade and dissipate that I never thought would leave my mind. Memories that used to haunt me and hurt me soften, and in some cases, completely gone, like so far that I have to really concentrate to go back and get some of the wisdom from those moments. And so I want to share with you some of these words from the song, I Can Only Imagine. And he says, and I wish I could sing it like him. I wish he was right here to sing it with us. But he said, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. He's talking about Jesus here. I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or, oh, this gets me. Or in awe of you, be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing Alleluia? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Now, friends, there's no rush to get to that place. But I do want to point out those places and those times and those spaces where you feel like you want to dance or in awe that you are stilled or when you fall to your knees or sing Alleluia. Those times when you can't even find words. Those are glimpses of heaven. And I know that this congregation loves music. And for some, music is the voice of God. And music is an experience of heaven. And Parker knows this too. And he's created a beautiful video with a song that's called Sing Me to Heaven. And friends, as you listen to this piece of music, and as any images or memories come to you, allow God's healing work to be within you, and allow heaven to come that much closer.